Welcome back to Brilliant Podcast. My name is Kim, and as always, I'm discussing the newest episode of Doctor Who. I noticed how short last week's podcast was for Rosa, so I made more detailed notes this time. I think I was so enamored by everything that was happening in Rosa that I didn't pause to write as many things down. But today, I'm talking about arachnids in the UK, a very spooky episode just in time for Halloween. It aired on Sunday, October 28th, 2018, and I am recording this episode of the podcast on Halloween. Don't forget to watch the episode before listening to the podcast. I know you can find it on bbcamerica.com, and we'll have to select a cable provider and log in. Leading up to this episode, the Doctor Who BBC America Twitter account was tweeting lots of spider emojis, so I did a little bit too while live tweeting the episode when it aired. I'm happy I was able to catch another episode live. Be sure to follow me at BrilliantPCast on Twitter. I post links to new podcast episodes, retweet the official Doctor Who accounts and sometimes other fans, and I'll keep live tweeting when I can. So, this episode is full of spiders. I made a lot of Harry Potter references while I was watching. Well, let's get started with the episode. I still like the title sequence, and I think it's shorter than some of the previous ones. We start with a shot of a hotel. I thought it was an old hotel from how the inside looked, but turns out it's one that's being prepped for opening. Three people stand in a large, empty, but carpeted room inside. Until about halfway through the episode, I didn't realize who the American actor was. I knew he looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. Twitter told me he was Chris Noth, who is most well-known for playing Mr. Big in the show Sex and the City. I haven't watched that show, but upon checking his Wikipedia page, I realized I recognized Chris Noth from the show The Good Wife. I didn't watch that show either, but I remember seeing previews for it all the time when I used to watch other shows on CBS. Plus, my mom watched The Good Wife, so I probably caught a few scenes walking by the TV at some point. So Chris Noth plays an American businessman named Jack Robertson. He's the owner of the new hotel that it's due to open, but it has some spider-related setbacks. He employs a man named Kevin as his personal security guard and a woman named Frankie. He also employs, but fires, Naja Khan, Yasmin Khan's mom. I was confused by the beginning of the first scene dialogue between Frankie and Jack Robertson because it was presented as very vague as though they risked a scandal leaking, it's not really made clear what that is. Frankie is also Robertson's niece's wife, and she works with him. Uh, she tells him the logistics of the hotel could be difficult. Robert says something about how this could destroy him for 2020. Again, this is vague, but we later learn he plans to run for president of the United States in 2020. So Frankie says she doesn't think they can make it go away, whatever it means. Uh, we do learn later, but again, I literally had no idea what was happening. So Nadja comes in, expecting no one else to be in the hotel. 
Robertson doesn't know who she is, but guesses that she works for him in some capacity. Nadia clearly knows who he is, but likely hasn't actually met him before. Um, she's to be the general manager of the hotel, and had come in to familiarize herself with everything before the opening. But Robertson fires her on the spot with a, you're fired, quote. I didn't pick up until later how Trump-like Robertson is meant to be. Um, he just, you know, said it like, you're fired, not, not like the way that Trump says it then. Anyway, so Robertson then gives Frankie one hour to tell him how she'll make this all go away, whatever this is at this point. I recognized Nadia from the promo pictures for this episode beforehand, but I had no idea who she was. Anyway, moving on, we see the TARDIS flying through the time vortex, and the visuals of this match the background of the title sequence. It's very visually interesting with shiny blue, purple and red, and white lights. I wonder whether this was all computer generated, or if there was any like video that they cut for this. And the transition from the time vortex to inside the TARDIS itself was very well done as well because they used the pattern of the new TARDIS interior to cut into it, if that makes sense. Like the transition in the video, they used that design pattern. The Doctor finally succeeds at navigating with the new TARDIS console systems and gets her new friends back home to Sheffield. The Doctor is relieved, and so are her friends. Also, the Doctor's wearing a fanny pack now. I'm not really sure what she needs that for since we know that her coat has pockets. So the TARDIS lands right outside Yaz's apartment in Park Hill. I looked it up to see if Park Hill is a real place, and it is. The Park Hill apartments in Sheffield are a council housing estate, which is sort of like public housing in the U.S., but sometimes it can be much nicer. I looked it up briefly, and generally lots of estates were built post-war and in the 1960s, and are mostly large apartment complexes for working middle and lower class. I know Rose Tyler lived in a council estate in London in the earlier seasons, and I'm not sure whether Clara Oswald's apartment was council housing or not, but the style of the apartment building looked kind of similar. But anyway, Park Hill is a real place, and the picture on Wikipedia looked just like it did in the show. Ryan says he and Graham actually live really close by, which answers my question of whether Ryan lived with Grace and Graham in the first episode, and he does. I'm still not sure why Grace and Graham were leaving to catch a train then. Yaz realizes she has mobile signal again, which means the doctor hasn't done anything to her new friend's phones yet to make them work in space. I know Rose's and Amy's phones worked in the TARDIS, and I think Clara's may have as well. The doctor says it's only been half an hour since they left the warehouse by means of the transport from Zimshaw's pod at the end of the first episode. I was a bit surprised by this, seeing as the doctor was just trying to get them home for a while and has a history of showing up late and making people wait. You know, like Amelia Pond, the girl who waited, and that time Rose was like missing for like a whole year. Anyway, the doctor begins to say a reluctant goodbye, but Yaz invites everyone in for tea and the doctor is really excited about this. Um, But Graham decides to go home because he hasn't been home 
by himself since Grace died. Then we see a woman named Jade McIntyre knocking on an apartment door looking for her co-worker Anna who hasn't been at work for a few days. Anna is a neighbor of the cons, so the doctor sees Jade knocking and asks if everything is alright. She brushes him off and they go into the cons apartment. Yaz's dad and her sister Sonia are home. Right away, I really liked both of these characters. Her dad starts to make food for them and her sister just kind of pokes fun at Yaz in various ways throughout the episode. I really hope we see more of this family in the future. The doctor imagines herself having her own flat and her own sofa, but also, like, how does the TARDIS, after over 2,000 years of traveling, give or take, not have a sofa? Like, come on, doctor. So, Yaz's dad has been collecting junk that he finds, which we learn the origin later. Um, He hopes, because Yaz is a police officer, she could do something about it. And he thinks this random junk is evidence of a conspiracy, which gets the doctor's attention. So Ryan says he and Yaz are mates when Sonia starts to ask. She says that's good, like she wants to kind of pursue him. Nadia calls Yaz and asks her to pick her up from work, so she goes, pretending that she has to just go drop something off for her. Yaz leaves Ryan and the doctor with her family, and the doctor finds a note that says they've got a parcel to pick up from a neighbor. It's been left with Anna, the woman who Jade is looking for next door, so Yaz's dad hasn't been able to get the parcel since no one has answered the door. The doctor offers to go get it. Meanwhile, Graham goes home, and we see a big spider web in a corner. Grace appears on screen to him in his imagination. They talk for a moment, and then she disappears. Back at Park Hill... The doctor and Ryan go outside, and they talk to Jade. I remember seeing a picture of Jade walking next to the doctor on Instagram before this episode, and I liked Jade's outfit a lot. Anyway, Jade says she's looking for Anna because she has been out of work, but didn't call in sick, and now isn't answering her messages. The doctor says she could open the door, and for a second, I imagine her kicking the door down, but alas, she saw next to the lock. They go inside, and the place is completely covered in spiderwebs, like more than should be there for just a few days. Again, we go back to Graham's house, where Grace talks to him, and he hears a thud. He finds what looks like a big dead spider on its back with the legs curled up, and it turns out it's shed its skin. Anna is found dead in her bed, covered in spiderwebs like a cocoon. There was an episode of The X-Files where Mulder and Scully find a body in the woods like that. They find a big spider under the bed. This is the point where I tweeted my first Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets gif when Harry and Ron are in the Forbidden Forest and meet Aragog. The spider in this part of the episode isn't as big as Aragog, but it's more like the size of his children. Jade says the spider is domestic and not harmful, but Ryan says it suffocated Anna. The doctor directs them out of the bedroom, trapping the spider inside. For now. Jade guesses it got in through the rubbish chute, and the doctor says they have to keep it in the apartment so it doesn't get loose in the city. She pours vinegar all around, making a perimeter to keep the spider trapped, since spiders don't like the smell of garlic and the acetic acid in the vinegar and whatever. Graham comes back and tells them he found the shed spider skin. The doctor accuses Jade of knowing more than she's letting on because she wasn't really surprised it was a spider. And Jade says it wasn't the first incident. She says the spiders in the city are out of control. So the doctor 
finally got everyone home to Sheffield, and something weird is happening there, of course. The next scene's on a bridge, and it's the shot I remembered from Instagram where I like Jade's outfit. She's wearing a mustard yellow shirt, a dark purple jacket, and an olive green skirt. Like, very good fall colors happening. So we learn that Jade is a research fellow in zoology, specializing in spiders, of course. Back at the hotel, Frankie, the woman from the first scene, goes down into the basement. There were a few spider webs in the hall, so I guess the spider would get her, and I was right. Yaz meets her mom in the hotel, and Robertson and Kevin come in. Kevin points a gun at them, and Robertson says they are trespassing. Yaz is generally calm, but I felt like she could have acted a little stronger since she's a police officer. Then again, she's a new police officer, but still. Robertson says, what are you, 15? You should be in school. And Yaz should have been like, no, I'm a police officer. But that didn't happen. Robertson says the rooms are disgraceful, and I figured they were probably covered in webs as well. In the lab, Jade tells the rest of Team TARDIS she's been working on an enzyme to increase spider lifespans. They can keep growing as long as they live, which explains the giant spider situation. Jade goes on to explain how the spider population is acting strangely throughout Sheffield. I again thought of the spiders in Harry Potter. The doctor scribbles all over this map that Jade has and figures out all the weird spider activity is centered around where Robertson's new hotel is. Well, I was right about the rooms being covered in webs, too. They've been covered in just a few days, and Robertson tells Nadja she's fired. Again. Robertson's smartwatch then chimes like an alarm, and he says it's time for his scheduled bathroom breaks, so he and Kevin go to the next room. This is the point where I kind of got who he was supposed to be like, and I hope the spiders would get him. Yaz and Nadia hear some tapping, and there's a big old spider right on the other side of the wall. The doctor calls Yaz on Nadia's phone and says she's outside. Meanwhile, Robertson tries calling Frankie, and then a really big old spider busts out of the bathtub drain. This is what would have happened if Aragog was the real monster in the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, wimpy Robertson calls for Kevin, who comes in, and then Robertson gets out of the bathroom and shuts Kevin in there. So this guy's useless, but poor Kevin, though. Through the door, we hear him fire his gun, but Robertson opens the door and sees a spider on top of Kevin, presumably dead. Robertson panics because he has no more Kevin to protect him and also lost his cell phone in the bathroom. We do see Kevin reaching for the phone, but the spider pulls him back and down the drain in what was a slightly comedic X-Files-like shot because his feet flew up in the air as he went over the edge of the tub. Robertson runs into the hallway and Team Tardis sees him, all recognizing him except the doctor. She uses the psychic paper and says they're crisis investigators and asks him what happened. Robertson explains what happened and we have a moment where everyone is staring at him. Like Ryan says, hey, and Graham says, you're that bloke. So clearly he's a well-known guy, except the doctor doesn't know him because it's the doctor. Yaz and the doctor go to look in the bathroom, and the doctor sticks her head down the busted-up bathtub. She sees the spider that got Kevin, gets up, and rushes Yaz out of the room. The doctor says they need to get somewhere brighter because the spiders like the dark, so they run after Nadja, who leads the way. Robertson asks Graham who they all are, and Graham tells him to run now, ask questions later, which 
honestly is good advice for anyone in cahoots with the doctor. Like, don't question the doctor's motives, just run and you'll probably be fine. At some point, things might get explained to you, but if you're in danger and the doctor says, run, basically, run. The doors they entered the hotel through are now blocked by the spiderwebs and the gang can't get out. Robertson, always thinking of himself, thinks it's an eco-protest. He reasons out loud that spiders can't make webs that quickly, and the doctor says these aren't normal spiders. They're not normal webs. The spiders have trapped them in the hotel so they go to the kitchen, Nadja's choice as their safe haven. We have a comic relief moment where Robertson says the doctor must be the only person on the planet who doesn't know who he is. She asks if he's Ed Sheeran. She knows everyone talks about Ed Sheeran but has no idea who he is either. Jack Robertson says he owns a hotel and a very successful line of hotels. Graham says Robertson is running for president in 2020, which Robertson brushes off as it's not official yet. He says he's not a politician. He's a businessman who just knows how to run things. Ring any bells? Definitely a Trump-style character. Jade says she's heard he's only running because he's hated Trump for decades, quote-unquote, and Robertson says not to mention that name. So he's not supposed to be a Trump, but we're acknowledging the existence of Trump here. Anyway, Robertson asks why the doctor is in charge and basically gets a because-we-said-so type answer from everyone, which is great. The doctor says they need plans of the hotel and a captive spider, which causes some uneasy looks exchanged by the others. Robertson says he's not getting near the spider, so he's still useless. Graham ends up acting as bait while Ryan sneaks up and catches a smaller spider. Still bigger than a normal spider, but not as big as the one that got Kevin. More spiders that size run after them on the ceiling, so they take the spider they trapped in a pot and run away. The doctor looks at the hotel plans, and Robertson says they can't be accurate because it doesn't have his panic room marked on it. The doctor tells Nadja she's the link between the spiders at the hotel and the ones at Anna's apartment. Robertson threatens to litigate her. He mispronounces her name as Nadia, and she corrects him and says it's Nadia. Up until this point, I also assumed her name was Nadia, and it was just the accent, but no, but it's Nadia, N-A-J-I-A. Nadia asks the doctor how she knows Yaz, who says it's a bit of a long answer. The doctor says they don't have time, not wanting to get into it while they're in the middle of trying to escape Hotel Spider. Nadia asks if they're seeing each other, to which Yaz scoffs, and the doctor says she doesn't think so, are we? Yaz says they're friends, surprised by the question, and that she owes the doctor her life. This is true, but it doesn't make any sense to Nadia. Moving on, the doctor asks Robertson how long it took to build the hotel. He says it took five years and that there are 15 of them around the world, repurposing former industrial sites. Nadia says this particular site used to be a coal mine. Nadia, Yaz, the doctor, and Robertson follow the plans to find whatever is under the hotel. Probably tons of spiders. Uh, yup. Robertson says it's too dangerous to go down there, and the doctor says, I eat danger for breakfast. I don't. I prefer cereal. Or croissants. Which is such an 11th doctor thing to say. Like, I can hear it in his voice, too. It's great. 
So they come upon a door with a ridiculous amount of various danger and keep out signs, like all different ones. And Robertson points to and reads them out loud, saying they can't go in there. And the doctor calls him dude, Sonic's the door, Jade finds them, and they all go inside. The lantern-lit hallway is the same one we saw Frankie go in when she got attacked, so I guess we'd find her body down there. They're entering a network of mining tunnels, which the doctor reasons is how the bigger spiders are getting around. They find spiderweb cocoons with Frankie and Kevin in them. Robertson doesn't want them all to go any deeper into the tunnels, but they do, and they find a huge landfill, which explains where all the trash Yaz's dad had in the house came from. It doesn't explain how or where he found it, though. So it turns out... All of Robertson's hotels are built like this one over landfills, essentially leaking toxic waste. This, in combination with Jade's research to make the spiders live longer, is what's been making the gigantic spiders. Nadia says her husband was right. There was a conspiracy around the trash. I still don't understand how it's leaking out, though. Jade says the same company that filled the mine with waste is the same company that takes their waste from the lab, and that's how the spiders got down there. Maybe what they thought was a spider carcass could have been a barely alive spider that was dumped in the toxic waste pit, and then it grew much bigger when it was down there. I think Graham and Ryan are off searching for more spiders at this point. And Ryan tells Graham he read the letter that was from his father, which Graham picked up when he was at their house earlier. Ryan's father said he wants to reconnect with him and that he could go live with him now, but I highly doubt Ryan would actually go to his father's. Ryan's father put that he's his proper family, and Ryan doesn't like that. Before they can keep talking about this, Graham asks Ryan if he checked the ceiling. I know I never look at the ceiling, which is why, for example, I missed what happens on the ceiling in the stretching portrait room at the Haunted Mansion at Disney World until, like, the past year. Anyway, they look up, they find a real big spider in the ballroom, but they run back to the kitchen before it can get them. Remember that time there was a hive of silence on the ceiling somewhere? Me either. They find everyone else, and the doctor realizes that Anna was actually the link between the hotel, lab, and the apartments, not Nadia. Anna might have had the same spider pheromones on her, which disrupted the spiders at home because she worked in the lab. Robertson leads them to his panic room at the doctor's request. He opens it up with a retinal scanner, which looks super fake. Like, I get it, BBC. You don't always have the budget for the best special effects, but, like, this thing looks far too spacey-wacy to be real. On Earth, used by human with no access to alien tech. Robertson says he has a huge stash of weapons and moves his hands around like Trump. So I can clearly see where Chris Noth took his inspiration to play this character from. Or he was probably just directed to do that. But anyway, he's very Trumpy at this point. Robertson wants to shoot the spiders, but the doctor says no. As usual, the doctor puts down the idea of using guns to solve their problems. Instead, she wants to lure the spiders into the panic room to trap them, and then they can go deal with the biggest one in the ballroom, the spider mother. To lure them, the doctor says spiders are lured to their food with vibration. That's how they catch flies in their webs, I think. So Ryan plays a song 
by Stormzy called Know Me From, which is from Sheffield's sickest grime station. I'm not familiar with the genre of grime, so I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it said it emerged in the UK in the early 2000s. Grime is influenced by earlier UK electronic music styles, including garage, jungle, and also dancehall, raga, and hip-hop. The song Brian plays has some good bass beats in it to attract the spiders. The doctor sends Yaz, Ryan, and Nadja into the spa to collect essential oils, and Nadja asks Yaz and Ryan, are you too? And they say no and leave it at that. Not the same reaction as when she asks Yaz and the doctor, so I still kind of think Ryan at least likes Yaz a little bit. I'm not sure if she likes him too, though. The smaller spiders have made it into the panic room, and the gang, minus Robertson, make it to the ballroom. The doctor is armed with a mixture of peppermint and tea tree oil, spider repellent. Funnily enough, my roommate bought mint extract a few days ago before this episode aired because she thought she was getting spider bites at night. She hasn't gotten any new bites since she sprayed it, but I also didn't get any at all in the first place, so she was probably just getting bug bites at work or something. Either way, I haven't seen any giant spiders in my apartment. So... They come upon the mother spider, and Jade realizes that it's grown too big to breathe properly, and it's suffocating. It won't survive long, and is more scared of them than they are of it. The doctor tells the spider she's sorry this has happened to it, but then Robertson comes in and shoots the spider. He claims it was a mercy killing, to which the doctor tells him, I don't see any mercy in you. He says this type of behavior is what's going to get him into the White House. So, yikes. I really wanted the doctor to just roundhouse kick him in the face right here. She just sort of glared at him, though, as he turned and walked away. Graham said, God help us all. Again, yikes. The doctor kneels next to the spider's body as the scene ends. Graham has another moment at home where he imagines he sees Grace. Over at Yaz's house, she offers to go to pick up some bread because they are all out. She has on a different shirt now, one that I thought had little spiders all over it for a second, but I realize they're actually just, like, small black stars. Nadja says when Yaz gets back, she can tell her the truth about how she knows the doctor. Ryan and Graham are already standing outside the TARDIS when Yaz comes outside. Graham knocks on the door, which opens, and they go in. Graham asks the doctor if they have to say goodbye. He says he doesn't want to sit around the house waiting for his grief for Grace to go away. He wants to go traveling with her because it helps him. Ryan doesn't want to go back to working in the warehouse, and Yaz says she loves her family, but they drive her crazy. She wants more of the universe and more time with the doctor. She says, You're like the best person I've ever met. Ryan says, You're pretty awesome. And Graham says jokingly, You're alright, I suppose. The doctor can't guarantee they'll be safe. This is a good warning to give new companions, based on the doctor's history with more recent companions. She says she never knows what's going to happen when she flies the TARDIS, and that they'll come back different to who they were when they left. They're all sure this is what they want, and the doctor beams at them. She calls them her fam, realizes that doesn't quite sound right, and calls them Team TARDIS instead. Very fitting. 
She welcomes them aboard properly and lets them all pull the console lever together. Honestly, what a great episode. The monster was great because it had an Earth origin and was a bit more like an X-Files monster of the week with no aliens. I thought the story overall was a strong one, but I don't think we learned what became of the spiders in the panic room. Were they just left there to eventually die? Other than that, everything was pretty great. This was a good The Doctor Saves the Day type episode and reminded me of the 10th Doctor era. A few of Jack Robertson's mannerisms were a bit too directly Trumpy, but I know that's what they were going for. This episode also had good comedic elements that fit in well with the story. I enjoyed meeting Yaz's family, and I enjoyed that her mom was a main character of this episode. I'm glad we saw Grace again in Graham's imagination, but I think it would have been nice to see him say something to her like, Grace, I can't be here while you're here, or something like that. Clearly it was his decision to get back in the TARDIS, but I think it would have fit well if he said something like that aloud while imagining her in the house. I do have a few notes about costuming. Going back to Yaz's orange sweater with the white star in it in the first two episodes, I found the actual one is from a brand called Mint Velvet. It's all sold out now, but it was originally £69 and went down to 35 I found a great Instagram account called Yaz Khan Cosplay, Y-A-S-K-H-A-N Cosplay, um, and it shows where her costume pieces are from, which is great. Last week I was trying to find where her navy sweater with the different colored dots on it was from, and I couldn't, but this Instagram says it's by the brand White Stuff. It's also out of stock, but it was £55 and marked down to 39 In this episode, Yaz wore another mint velvet brand sweater that was pink with a subtle heart knit on the front. It's also sold out and was also marked down to £35 from 69 originally. At the end of the episode, Yaz wears a white and blue striped button-down shirt with small black stars on it, the ones that I thought were spiders for a second, and this shirt is by Oasis. Also sold out, but appears to have been down to around £33 on a few sites. I realize that these clothes are probably from the end of last year, so they'll be likely more hard to come by now as cosplay pieces. The doctor wore her navy shirt in this episode. In the preview for next week, she wears what may be the same as the one she wore in Rosa, the darker red, burgundy color, but in the light, it was a bit more on the dark pink side. We shall see. So, I'm going to place this episode in second place in my episode rankings thus far. The Woman Who Fell to Earth is still in first, then this one, Arachnids in the UK, then Rosa, then The Ghost Monument. Please subscribe to the podcast at anchor.fm slash brilliant-podcast or at soundcloud.com slash brilliant-podcast. You can also find Brilliant Podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. New this week, you can also listen to Brilliant Podcast on CastBox, and I'm very excited to announce The show is up on Apple Podcasts, my platform of choice. Follow me on Twitter at BrilliantPCast, Facebook and Instagram at BrilliantPodcast. 
brilliantpodcast.tumblr.com. And finally, you can email me at brilliantpodcast at gmail.com.